Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. I'm going to invite you to listen and receive God's word for us this morning from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. And I'll tell you before I read that I'm using the message translation this morning. And so if you're not familiar with that, it reads very much like a book. And so it may sound a little bit different than what you might be used to, um, but just know that, that we're reading from the message today. And so if you, if you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, feel free to follow along or it's also on the screen. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me as we pray together? Oh God, we thank you for the gift of the day and the gift of this place where we come together in fellowship and in worship. God, we pray that you would bring your spirits, that it would settle upon us here in these moments, that you would quiet our minds, open our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth would not be my own, but that they would be your words for your church. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So for the last three weeks, we've been doing a series called Songs of Hope. And what we've been doing is taking a look at some of the songs that we sing in worship, and and think about how they encourage a spirit of hope within us. And so we've talked about things like hope for God's peace, hope for the possibilities that God creates, hope for seeing with Jesus's eyes. And so today I want to focus on what it means to remember God's faithfulness in the past and how that gives us hope and trust for the future. And so the song that, that I'm using this morning is the one that we just sang, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I want to share a little bit with you about the history of this song. It's one of my favorite hymns. And yes, in just a few minutes, not right this moment, but in a few minutes, I'm going to answer one of the, the questions that I get actually most about this song, and that is, what's an Ebenezer? So if that's a question you have, actually, I'm interested to know, don't say it out loud, but if you think you know what that means, raise your hand. Ah, okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in just a few minutes. So this song was actually written in 1758. So it was written a long time ago by a man named Robert Robinson. He grew up in England. He had a very tough beginning to his life. His father died when he was eight. And then when he was 14, his mother actually sent him away to London to study to be an apprentice. And while he was there, he got involved with a bad group of kids. And when he was 17, these kids convinced him to go and see a fortune teller. And so they go and do this, and he left feeling really bad about that experience. It just did not sit well with him. And so he suggested to his friends, there's this guy that's preaching named George Whitfield, and we should go. 
Now, George Whitfield was a very famous preacher, did a lot of revivals, and he's actually one of the founders of Methodism. And so they went, he got his friends to go, and George was speaking directly to him. That's how Robert felt. He felt like he was speaking directly to him. And so three years went by, and he actually went into ministry, and he became a pastor. And at 23, he was serving a Methodist church in England. He later became Baptist, but we won't talk about that. Um, And so he wrote this song for, for Pentecost Sunday, which is the day in the church that we remember the Holy Spirit coming down to the early church. And so this song is all about grace. It's all about mercy, God rescuing us, and then our response back to God, our response of praise and our commitment as followers of Jesus. And so the ideas in the song tie into this passage from Lamentations, a passage of hope, but it is a lament of sorts. The hymn itself is a lament. Now, Lamentations is a book, it's very short in the Old Testament, made up of five poems, and they're really thought to be funeral songs. And the author of Lamentations, or authors, had just witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon, including the temple, which was their center of worship. And so they were in despair. The people of Israel were in despair. And so that's what's reflected in the poems that are written in Lamentations, deep suffering, deep wounds of of these people, pain and hurt that they felt. And, And the question that's asked over and over in these texts is, does God even see us? Can God help us? Can God heal the pain that we feel? And so the idea of a lament really does this. It asks a question but also makes the exclamation at the same time, how can it be? The question, how can it be, but then exclaiming, how can it be? Both grief and praise found at the same time, kind of back and forth. And that's really what you find in this hymn, if you look at the the different stanzas and the lyrics. So in Lamentations, we're looking at book number three, or poem number three. It's 66 verses long. Thankfully for you, I've only picked eight of them to look at today, not all 66. But I'd encourage you to look at all of them. So the first few verses, starting in in verse 19, it's all about remembering that despair, the the hard times that they're having. But then, just two verses later, there's a noticeable shift. You may have picked up on that as I was reading, a, a shift towards hope. And so, yes, they're in these hard times, but instead of dwelling there, instead of dwelling on that suffering, they're choosing to instead to remember God's love remembering God's mercy. And so this act of remembering can restore. The act of remembering can bring hope. And so as I was looking at this text this week, I sat a few translations of the scripture side by side. And what was interesting to me is that when you see the word hope, it's often in some translations substituted for the word wait in some places. And so hope then seems to connect with the idea of expectant or patient waiting which we're all great at, right? But hope is grounded in the abiding nature of God. Trust in God for eventual deliverance from whatever we might be facing. And the passage clearly tells us, one of the famous lines, that God's compassion, God's mercy is new every morning. And then the author addresses God directly and says, great is your faithfulness speaking to God, and there seems to be confidence in that statement. And, and I think that hope is a decision. It's a choice 
that we make based on this remembrance of God's mercy in our lives. And in the last two verses that I read, God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, to quietly hope for help from God. It's almost as if the author in those verses is persuading themselves, giving themselves some, some reassurance that there is value in waiting on God, that that's a reminder of God's goodness to us. And I love the image in verse 21, the way that the message says it. It says, as I remember, I will wait and I will keep a grip on hope. John asked for some kind of a golf thing, so I already had one. I read his mind. Um, So I am a golfer. I don't play much anymore. I have a bad shoulder. But as I've reflected on the word grip, I go back to my high school golf days and, and my coach. And it was consistent with him over and over. We always address the grip first, the way you hold the golf club. Why? Well, if you think about it, the grip that you have on a golf club with your hands, that's the only connection your body has with a golf club. And so it's going to affect your swing and thus affect where the ball is going to go. And so if your grip is off, then you're in for a world of hurt. It, It changes your game. But if you have a good grip, that gives you a sense of stability. And so as I've thought about that this week, I think this is This is also true in our faith, that as we lean into God's hope, as we have a a grip on that, as we trust in it, it gives us a sense of stability. And so how do we do that? How do we get a grip on hope? Well, I think first we have to define what hope is. What does that word mean? Well, from a biblical perspective, it's not just a feeling. It's not just a mood. It's actually the very energy of transformation, And the biblical concept of hope is a positive outlook toward an expected end of some kind. And so in Scripture, when we look at a a Bible, when we hold a Bible, when we look at the text, we have vast promises from God there. And so when we hope in what God has promised, our hope is certain. We can trust in that. Now in, in Greek, the word hope, it's far more than wishful thinking. Hope actually means confident expectation. Confident expectation. And so the hope for our future is anchored in, is rooted in God's faithfulness to us in the past. And so I think there are really, there are three pieces to this of what it, what it looks like to get a grip on hope. And the first one is to be able to name our pain, to lament. Now, passages in Lamentations are used a lot during Holy Week. Pastors love lamentations during those, those few days because we're lamenting the death of Jesus and we're talking about our sin. But it's interesting, it's not used much in worship the rest of the year. And as I was reading this week, there was a commentator that said, suggested that that might be because there's sort of a denial in our culture about really exploring and naming our wounds and talking about our pain, and talking about our suffering. And so that made me wonder, what if then, what if instead we viewed those things that, are, that hurt through the lens of hope, and through a lens of, of God's faithfulness to us? And I am not at all minimizing pain or hurt. Those are very real things that all of us experience, and they should be acknowledged. What I'm saying is that in times of suffering, 
if we're honest about those things, if we're thoughtful about those things, the new life will begin to emerge within us as grace. And so it's okay. It's okay to lament in whatever form that looks like for you. It could mean that you cry. It could mean that you talk to someone about it, that you pray about it, that you journal, you draw. However that works for you. The thing is, we just can't live there. We can't stay in that place. And so I think another step in in what it means to, to get a grip on hope, that's how I'm referring to this, is to remember. We all know that there is no shortage of pain and suffering in our world, and certainly not in our lives. We face death, we face illness, job loss, broken relationships. And friends, just like all of you, I've certainly had my share of challenging seasons in life, some of them in recent history. And this week, I've really been reminded that remembering has power. It's a powerful thing. And and so in times that we might feel anxious or we feel panicky about something, when it seems impossible that God's mercies could, could be new every morning, we have to remember We have to remember that the God who came through before will will do it again. The God who saved and healed, rescued and guided, protected us. The God that carried us, that provided for us, the same God will do that again. And so I have to remember that I can rest in that and I will be okay. Because God's track record with me is pretty good. And I would bet that it is with, with all of you too. And so how do we do that? How do we remember? What does that look like? Well, I think part of that is giving yourself the time and the space to do that. To really allow yourself to be quiet and, and to, to remember God's goodness to you. Maybe write those things down. Talk to somebody else about it. As you share your story, as you listen to their story, that's a way to remember But there's another idea that that is connected to the song for today. So here here we go. All of you waiting to hear about Ebenezer. Here it is. So in the second stanza, the line is, here I raise my Ebenezer. Ebenezer is a Hebrew word that means stone of help. That's what that means, stone of help. And so that actually comes from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7, And what's happening there is God has raised Samuel up to lead the people back to God. And so he has led the Israelites to a victory over their enemy, which was a miraculous victory. And they set up these stones. They stack them in this location of where God provided a victory for them. And that pile of stones was to be a reminder for them of their total dependence on God. That God had carried them through a hard time to the current place. And so Samuel named those stones, that structure, Ebenezer. And he says, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And so the idea is to continually point to God's faithfulness, because our faith is a journey, right? And in every step that we take, we can raise our own Ebenezers, and we can acknowledge the faithfulness of God in our lives. Uh, A fun fact about the the hymn related to our United Methodist hymnal, 
Um, there's a group that revises that hymnal every so often, and back in 1989, they received a request from a number of people to eliminate that word because it can be confusing. People wonder, what does that mean? Why are we singing that? But they could not find what they felt was a suitable substitute for that word, and they left it. And so if you look in our hymnal, it's still there. The version we sang today, we sang it. It's still there. A lot of churches skip that verse. (laughs) I made sure Becky was going to do it this morning, though. So the idea is this, going back to remembering. To remember all that the Lord has done for you by having your own stone of help. As you leave this morning, there are are some tables outside the doors in the foyer with some bowls of stones on them. You're invited to take one of those with you if you would like to, um, or to find something else that you can collect, maybe something that you can write on. You can use a Sharpie on one of the stones. And to collect those as specific ways that you remember God's love for you, God's faithfulness to you, the goodness and the grace and the provision that God has shown to you in your life. Think about where you've seen God at work in good times. But also think about how God has been faithful to you in tough times. That's part of lamenting. That's part of being able to name our pain and and acknowledge it. And when you have those Ebenezers, let those serve as a visible reminder of God's goodness and faithfulness to you. The last step in in getting a grip on hope is a willingness to wait. Patiently at that. Waiting patiently. Even in times of despair. Times that are hard. And we all know that when we're going through a painful time, that can often erode our beliefs about God. Things that when when we're having a good day, we're certain. We know that God is this. We believe that God is this. But when tough times come... It's hard sometimes to, to hold on to those things. Pain can, can cloud what we know to be true about the goodness of God. And so hope itself may come and go. It may not be there all the time. But we can have confidence and trust when we are willing to look to, when we are willing to stand before our God who sees us in whatever state we're in. And it's when we lose that grip, it's when we lose our grip on that hope that we're then apt to wander away from God's goodness. Those are the times when we may start to wonder, well, does God cause bad things to happen? And I'll say to you that our Wesleyan beliefs are such that God created all people to be in relationship with him. God has given us free will to respond to or to reject his love. And yes, God is omnipresent, meaning God is everywhere and in everything, but God does not, God does not cause pain and suffering and tragedy. Rather, God is near to us in those times, never absent, never abandoning us. Every experience that we have, good and bad, is preparation for some future opportunity because God does not just redeem our souls. I believe God also redeems and transforms our experiences and works them for good. But friends, sometimes we have to wait for that. Sometimes we have to wait. And and I believe that God is good. I believe that God meets us in our pain through grace. And we, you and I, We can see and and be God's presence in the world in spite of things like injustice and pain. 
We become the agents of God's love and care to other people in their times of crisis, just like people have done for us. God does not ever promise to take away the possibility of pain and discomfort. That's just not the deal. But God does promise to be with us through it all. Through it all. And so hope reminds us that even though life can be uncertain, God is not. God is not. Hope tells us that that we're not crazy to believe that we can be healed from our hurt, from our fear. And so let's make that choice. Let's choose a life of hope. Let's make that the lifestyle that we live. And so consider, are you, where do you find yourself? Are you dangerously hopeless today? Are you cautiously hopeful? Or are you abundantly hope-filled? I don't know. None of those are wrong. It just depends on where you are in your life in this moment. But the key is looking to Jesus as the ultimate source of hope. Not another human being, not a job, not any other circumstance, but Jesus. Hebrews 10.23 tells us to hold on to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And so Jesus brings to us defeat over death. Jesus brings to us grace and life and forgiveness. This is the hope that we cannot live without. This is the hope that our world cannot live without. And so receive that today. Receive it so then you can go and share it with somebody else. A profound way that we as Christians remember and proclaim what what Christ has done is through Holy Communion. During Communion, we, we certainly recall the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples, but it's more than that. It's more than remembering. It becomes a representation of, the, of these past gracious acts of God that are powerfully made truly present now, that Christ is risen and alive here and now. And so as we remember and we recall, it's also important to know that we're also being remembered, meaning we are being put back together again. And so as we're united with Christ, as we're united with each other, we are empowered and strengthened to live as Christians in the world. But we can also anticipate with hope God's future for that world. And so in in just a few moments as we come, many of us will come today with pain. Many of us will come with struggles, but we're hopeful. We're hopeful that God will put us back together, that we will go from this place this morning with a new strength. And I want you to know that you carry the good things of God within you already. You already have holiness, you have kindness, you have grace. And the hope for our future is anchored in God's faithfulness in the past. And so nothing, not even the most difficult of times, goes wasted. Because Jesus desires to redeem all things. And tough seasons can be used by God to forge something good. To forge something beautiful and lasting. And the good news is that God's mercies are new every single morning. As we lean into Jesus, know that he is there to hold you, he's there to comfort you, to encourage you, to love you, if you will let him, if you will let him hold your heart, let him seal it with his love.
Because now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a home. Now your grace is always with me. And I'll never be alone. We can hold tightly. We can hold tightly to those words of hope, trusting that God is good and God is faithful. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.